So good afternoon and uh, welcome to our second opportunity to engage with loving kindness or metta, one of the four Brahma Viharas. And uh, before we start the practice and I say a few things about it, I'd like to just set a context, a, a dropping in place that may support you in coming forth. Um, that two of our luminaries over time had to say about something. So you can just listen to this as you may, you know, you can be in a seated position or the meditation position or just sitting there and just allowing this to drop in. I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can only love one person at a time. I can only feed one person at a time. Just one, just one. So you begin, I begin. I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. The whole work is only a drop in the ocean. But if I didn't put that drop in, the ocean would be one drop less. Same thing for you. Same thing in your family. Same thing in the community where you live. Just begin. One, one, one. Mother Teresa. I think I mentioned before that some time ago my brother and I were driving one evening to Chattanooga, Tennessee from Atlanta. He was driving the car and for some reason the drivers were very discourteous that night. They didn't dim their lights. Hardly any driver that passed by dimmed his lights. And I remember very vividly my brother A.D. looked over and in a tone of anger said, I know what I'm going to do. The next car that comes along here and refuses to dim the lights, I'm going to fail to dim mine and pour them on in all of their power. And I looked at him right quick and said, oh no, don't do that. There'd be too much light on this highway and it will end up in mutual destruction for all. Somebody got to have some sense on this highway. Somebody must have some sense enough to dim the lights. And that is the trouble, isn't it? That, as all of the civilizations of the world move up the highway of history, so many civilizations having looked at each other that refused to dim the lights, and they decided to refuse to dim theirs. And Toynbee tells that out of the 22 civilizations that have risen up, all but about seven have found themselves in the junk heap of destruction. It is because civilizations fail to have sense enough to dim the lights. And we will all end up destroyed because nobody had any sense on the highway of history. Somewhere, somebody must have some sense, must see that force begets force, hate begets hate, toughness begets toughness, and it is all a descending spiral, ultimately ending in destruction for all and everybody. Somebody must have some sense, sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate and the chain of evil in the universe. And you do that by love. 
Martin Luther King. So what we're up to is actually engaging with a practice that will allow us to dim the lights so that we can engage with this uh, chaotic and troublesome world in a way that brings some bit of ability to make choices that support the growth and evolution towards wellness and health as opposed to the continued uh, deconstruction and obliteration of the systems that we've lived with for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it starts with the one of us. I was thinking about some of the questions that came this morning as well as yesterday after uh, Joseph began with uh, the self and the benefactor. And it occurred to me that uh, we are so conditioned from our world to turn away from the heart place. Because oftentimes, without practice, awareness, knowledge, and wisdom, that heart place is, is suffering. It's a place of hurt and pain. Not knowing that there's cultivation of ways of knowing and practice that can bring strength and clarity to the heart, such that we can turn towards it and bring it forth to engage with our fellow human beings and these structures and systems in a way that can impact transformation. So I wanted to context uh, this learning in not just uh, what's available for us as individuals, but what's available for us as individuals as we walk through this current world. It will take a great deal of clarity of mind and strength of heart to both live our own lives in these times, but also to be a contribution to... Uh, some other transformation that uh, actually opens up and expands and holds all of us, all beings, everywhere. So as you may remember yesterday, uh, Joseph couched uh, loving kindness, which is the literal but somewhat not quite exact um, uh, definition of metta uh, in, in loving friendliness. So. I just wanted to reiterate that so you could, could sit in that. And there's um, a Buddhist scholar named Andrew Alinsky, who actually teaches a lot at BCBS, who actually holds uh, loving kindness, the, what he uses to describe that energy or that um, wellspring is caring, which I, that works for me a lot. So I thought I'd offer that as another alternative, as another way to think about the energetic vibration of loving kindness. So loving kindness is not about striving towards some critical amount, like we're building up an amount of loving kindness that we can then distribute it as we see. But it's really about um, developing and cultivating a place of home where you come from each and every moment as you live your life, such that it even becomes like breathing, where you're not even thinking about it. It's just the way you greet yourself, your family, individuals, your block, your community, your state, your country, the world. It's about developing and building the intention of bringing kindness and love forward and holding it as a value. Maybe even after this week long together, holding it as a core value, as a way to live your life. Sharon Salzberg, um, the, I don't know if she's like this grandmother, 
I don't think she'd like that either. Uh, it's taped, so I can't take it back. Uh, <laughs> the, the holder of this form, this practice of loving kindness, um, states or teaches that the purpose of this practice is to cultivate the intention to embrace all parts of ourselves and to move beyond or overcome our feelings of separation from ourself and from others. This practice allows you to learn and receive and work with our shortcomings rather than staying stuck in a place of judgment uh, and being cut off from our nature, our caring, sourcing, natural nature. This cultivation of practice also calls forth a spontaneity, a move towards change in order to intervene in the cycle of greed, aversion, and delusion, and therefore add to the possibility of the cessation of suffering. You'll come to find if you take this on and really engage with it as a practice uh, ongoingly after you leave here, that as a loving kindness or Brahma-Vihara practice matures, there is always a forward thrust or a forward movement that naturally arises, creating a felt sense of warmth, good intention, and deep sympathy for ourselves and for others. And Gina has been using loving awareness um, as she uh, spoke about mindfulness last night and um, a bit this morning in the practice. And for me, that concept or that distinction or that energetic vibration that comes off of that word, loving awareness, is really an integrated approach. So that loving kindness or Brahma-Vihara practice is not something separate from insight practice. That they walk hand in hand and it's the balance of these two that allows us to remain balanced and stable and joyous and peaceful, even in response to the difficulties and choices, which doesn't mean we don't look at what's happening or ignore what happen is happening, but what's happening is going to happen. So why not make the intention that we're going to uh, greet that happening with grace, with kindness, compassion, and perhaps forgiveness. This practice actually um, has as its, uh, one of its essences, um, it allows us to see the places in our heart that are armored or constricted or contracted or fearful. And then to begin working at those edges uh, to dispel and uh, transform them. You might ask your, yourself these questions as you um, practice with and then consider and contemplate taking on this practice as something you'd like to integrate into your practice. What are your values? What do you really care about in this world? Do you want to live this life in complacency and delusion or choose to become awake? Do you want to live consciously authentically, and as a contributor. In the end, it's about learning to live wisely and to love well.
So today we're going to work again with uh, the benefactor and the self. And as Joseph suggested yesterday, and I think all of us will be um, uh, presenting it in this way, we're going to start by um, creating uh, the uh, holding of sending loving kindness to ourselves. So yesterday, uh, one or two people talked about some challenges or difficulty um, with doing that, or at least noticing the repercussions of engaging with that practice. And one of the ways that uh, might be helpful, another way to enter in to sending loving kindness to yourself is to, um, if it's difficult to um, hold yourself as you are now, this grown-up person, and uh, having lived the life that we've lived and done, done what we've done, and because of that it makes it a little difficult, then you can actually picture yourself as a younger you. You know, finding a place or a time in your life um, when you were just uh, freely being. That's a nice place to start on, and, and have that you send you the loving kindness uh, today. And if you also remember, there are um, three components in practice to me, this practice, um, insight practice as well. I think of it almost like a um, orchestra or a jazz piece, that there's these different elements, and then we put together the song that we want to hear for that day. So there's those three elements of loving kindness that Joseph spoke about yesterday. First, actually picturing yourself. And then when we get to the benefactor, actually picturing um, the benefactor. There's um, generating the thought of yourself or the person that you're sending loving kindness to. And then there's generating the feeling in the body of the loving-kindness energy that then radiates out. So you may choose and pick one of those ways of entering in or a combination of those ways. So if you want to get into a comfortable meditation position, which we've had some wonderful instruction about over the last two days, And as we're settling in, I just want to um, say one or two things about the benefactor because we're going to move through the practice, moving from sending loving kindness to ourselves to loving kindness for a benefactor. So just, I, I, I went to the dictionary because, you know, the English language oftentimes just misses a bit um, what is actually meant uh, when we're talking about something. So I went to the dictionary and looked at benefactor because this definition is what we've all been living with for, well, I guess the youngest person here was 18 or 19, so 18 to 75 years. Um, we've been living with these definitions in our bodies and in our minds. And so what came back when I looked at it on the dictionary was, a benefactor is a person who confers a benefit, a kindly helper, a person who helps other people or institutions a patron, supporter, sponsor, backer, protector, a person who supports or champions an activity. 
So I don't know if anyone yesterday um, came up with this, but it doesn't actually have to be someone you know personally. It could be some public person or some community person or some other person who you are inspired by, uh, who actually puts a light under you for living in a well way. So I just wanted to add that in. So as before, I will say the phrases um, a couple of times to begin with, and you can repeat them back to yourself silently. And um, as has been noted, if these phrases don't exactly align with you or um, don't have any juice for you, you can actually create phrases that really work for you as long as they are encompassing this uh, energetic vibration that we're putting forward to you. So settling in the body. Connecting to the breath. It's kind of allowing it to come forward how it is now there in the seat. phrases that I use today may be a little bit different than the ones Joseph used yesterday and that's just an opportunity for you to see um, the options. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I live a life of ease. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I live a life of ease. As you go through the various verses, it's fine if it feels like that one is vibrating more strongly for you, you can stay with that for a bit. Or you can move through the three or the four, but not like on a race, like spending a little bit of time dropping the words and then allowing whatever to come forward come forward and clear. If you get totally distracted or taken away and lose your place, just go back to the breath, center and settle, and then go back to the phrases.
May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I live a life of ease. And moving towards sending metta to a benefactor. Bringing to mind, bringing to heart, bringing into existence that person who has supported you, who cares about you, who has inspired you, whatever is helpful in identifying that person. Bringing the energy of them forward. And if numerous people come forward, maybe just picking one to start with, May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you live a life of ease. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you live a life of ease.
no worries, it's okay if you have thoughts arising or your attention is drawn to some discomfort, just come back again to the phrase, which is our anchor in this practice. No worries if it feels awkward or mechanical. Just noticing that, letting it be, and back to the phrase. No worries if feelings arise that seem contrary to loving kindness like irritation or anger. Just notice that and go back to the phrase. Be patient and kind with yourself as you send this Metta to your benefactor, allowing whatever arises to be received in the spirit of friendliness and kind affection. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you live a life of ease. Moving towards concluding our practice time, gently releasing or allowing the benefactor to move away. 
tending to your breath again. And here's one more bit for you. Waking this morning, I smile. A brand new day is before me. I aspire to live each moment mindfully and to look upon all beings with the eyes of kindness and compassion. May you and all other beings be happy and free from suffering. time for just one or maybe two questions or comments because there's something else we need to talk about a little bit in this time period. So it's an opportunity. Would anyone like to take it? the guided meditation um, <clears throat> I find that uh, metta practice um, comes more easily for me um, I've been really struggling with sleepiness the last few days um, and when we're doing mindfulness of breath and body and I'm really getting in touch with the body I notice how much fatigue I have um, and when I stay with it, um, the mind gets really muddy and I fall asleep. Um, and I notice that with metta practice, a brightness to my mind when I do it, that um, I get less sleepy. And I wanted to know if, um, well, is it kind of like a bypass to just do metta practice and not do mindfulness of body? Because when we're doing the regular sits, when I get sleepy, I go to metta, and uh, I wonder if maybe I should move away from that, and there are other techniques that can, you know, I try opening my eyes and standing up, and when I'm standing up with my eyes open, that seems the most effective, but then my mind wanders, and it gets bright, but I'm not doing um, mindfulness of body anymore, so... So I have a thought about that, but before I express it, I'll do the Gina and uh, ask you, what do you think? (laughs) You're in your practice. How does it feel in your body in relationship to whether you're engaged with bypass or if you're actually working with the distinctions? I I mean, I feel feel pretty present in my body when I'm doing metta, and I've sort of to try to combine it, I've been doing metta for different parts of my body and like mm. the organisms in my body. Mm. Um, and yet, I'm 
No, that's great. You're right on the edge of, of uh, inquiry and discovery, and that's actually very wise and masterful in terms of what you just said about doing metta for parts of your body and it's it, different parts of your body and it's really an and and you know there's some people that their full practice is solely metta so it's not that one practice is better than the other or will get you one place or another it's really become becoming uh, familiar with your system and what supports your ability to have strong practice um, the one thing that's available for this week is the introduction of these various practices and trying them on so that you actually have a feel for um, the different ways your system interacts and works with these different practices. Um, you'll be happy to know many of you, not just you, that Joseph tonight is going to speak on um, some of these challenges, doubt and aversion, yeah. So um, some of the hindrances uh, he's going to focus in on tonight. So I think the way you're, you're actually um, uh, playing around with it and moving back and forth and even the questions that you're asking yourself about what you're doing in your practice show that there is really some grounding in practice for you. Um, and it sounds perfectly like you're doing exactly how it needs to be done right now. Yeah, thanks for the question. Well, I think we have a short question uh, period today, but there'll be many others. And I'm going to turn it over to Gina now. And uh, she's going to talk to a little bit about the eight precepts and some options and possibilities. Thank you, Dara. Um, so I wanted to offer, we wanted to offer... Um, the opportunity for you to ask questions about the eight precepts, taking the extra three precepts, um, and really to to I, I'd like to encourage you to investigate what might be possible. And I just wanted to say a couple of things for you to consider, and you don't have to take it for the whole. Um, uh, the whole rest of the, the retreat. You really can try it on, see how it works for you, and uh, see if it's something that might be of benefit to your practice. So you'll see that the last three, the last three precepts are, I undertake the precept to refrain from eating at the wrong times. I kind of don't like that languaging, because it's like something's right and something's wrong, but it's Essentially, uh, the monks and nuns, it's, it's from the monastic tradition, and um, they refrain from eating after the sun has, crossed, has reached its zenith. So usually it's noon, but with all of our different time zones, sometimes it's a little bit uh, later. But now we'll just take it as after lunch. And... The seventh is I undertake the precept to refrain from dancing, singing music, going to shows, wearing garlands, and beautifying myself with perfumes and cosmetics. So, hmm. <laughs> First of all, we really wanted to ask you anyway to refrain from scented products because it's not as necessarily a, um, a practice of abstaining or restraint, but, because, but out of really loving kindness and consideration 
there are people among us who actually literally get sick from smelling scented products. And as we said, I think Rodney said at the beginning, he explained that 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 also included what sometimes are advertised as natural scents, that um, there, if, if, you've, if all you brought were scented products, you can get from the, um, the yogi uh, supply closet the uh, soaps or shampoos or whatever, is, whatever you need. Ouch, I have a, I have a cramp. Um, to, um, to really do it out of total loving kindness for your fellow yogis. But this this precept actually, uh, really for us, we don't have, I hopefully we don't have music, um, but essentially it's really to abstain from or refrain from uh, wearing jewelry and, um, and makeup. And the, the last precept is, um, I undertake the precept to refrain from lying on higher luxurious beds or sitting on a higher luxurious chair. So uh, that was that precept is some t- was was basically for the purpose of monks not sitting on um, the chairs reserved for kings and high monastics. Um, I think we've kind of helped you out with that with your beds. Um, and uh, and we we do invite practice leaders up here to to sit on the chairs on the cushions and chairs reserved for teachers. So uh, basically, what it comes down to is the uh, the abstaining from having the last meal of the day. And in honor of this, I took off my little studs just to show you that it's possible. <laughs> And um, really, it's not so much about the cosmetics or about the jewelry or even about the food. What it is, is looking at uh, greed, hatred, and delusion and seeing all of the ways that we can train ourselves to abstain from greed, hatred, and delusion, to, ref- to restrain our senses in such a way that we are not indulging in greed, hatred, and delusion. So they're small steps, really, taking these last three precepts are like small steps to see what would it be like if I just committed to not eat the last meal. And, you know, so, so for some of us, that may bring up all kinds of terror or fear or um, revulsion or aversion just notice what that does in your own body. And what would it be like to see what it would be like to not be caught by our uh, desire for food. Uh, and when I do it, when I'm on retreat, I usually uh, don't eat the evening meal. And usually what I do is I, I offer it to all of the people in the world who are starving. And I join with them, even when I'm feeling like, oh, I'm really hungry, or I feel really weak, or it's not really helping, or I really just join with the people in the world who don't have a meal 
they don't have the option of having a meal to eat. And what would that be like to offer my heart to them and to offer whatever greed I'm feeling or whatever impulsive need to eat I'm feeling? Of course, if you're if you have a medical condition that would prevent you from doing it, I don't recommend that you do it. But you may want to consider, even if you just say, well, I'll try it for one day and see what that's like. And what I'm willing to do, um, or what we're willing to do, is all, all of us are, one or two or three or four of us will come into the hall during the dinner time and we'll do the chanting and um, and have some discussion about what you're feeling about this and how, how it is for you and what questions may be coming up for you. So consider it. And if you try it one day and you think this is not for me and I really do need my evening meal, there's no judgment about that or there's no you're a bad yogi kind of judgment, but um, a kind of joy that you even tried it for one day. So all you have to do is put a check mark on the board uh, because there's an invitation for the eight precepts. And um, if you decide the next day that you don't want to, um, you don't want to participate, then to let the kitchen know. So that because they put they put enough. Um, I think they put some juice out and maybe some hard candy, hard candy because I. The, the rules are that you can have um, honey, oil, and butter. <laughs> and uh, and you, can, you can also have uh, fruit juice. So whatever, is, whatever contains those things, they can, they can put out. So there's a little something to just allay any really deep hunger, but um, it's, it's refraining, abstaining from solid foods, essentially. So, um, are there any questions about that? Could you, could you pass? Thank you. So, in, in the afternoons when the, when the others are enjoying their meal, we can come in here and have a high old time. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, it's not the food that I have a question about. It's number seven uh, that includes singing and music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that, well, there are a number of people who think that music really helps, especially when you're feeling not so good and all of that. What, what is meant there? What is meant about that well, there? Well, usually there's a... Um, they, they collect all of that and call it... Um, entertainment and ornamentation. That's what that precept is about. It's, so it's not to distract yourself from the present moment experience of whatever is happening. Usually, yes, there's, it's not like the, these precepts condemn these things, but it's a, it's a way of restraint. It's a way of really understanding this mind, body, and how it operates. So we're not, conde we're not saying, oh, music and dancing are evil, but that you can actually say, no, I don't want to participate in that because I really want to be present with what, what's happening here. So 
you know, dancing and music and all of that is perfectly fine. But, and we don't really have to concern ourselves with that in the retreat because hopefully <laughs> people are not walking around with their, you know, MP3s uh, having a high old time. So it's, it's, well, it's not entertainment and, or ornamentation. And usually lay people in the Buddhist tradition do this on what are called uposatha days. I may have pronounced that wrong. Um, but it's, um, it's the days of the full moon and the new moon. Uh, so you can actually try it out of retreat. You can try it on the days of the full moon and the days of the, of the new moon and see how that feels. Gina. My question is, are we, if we take, if we're interested in taking the additional three precepts, do we come here at dinner time and then we will take the three precepts, the yes. additional? Okay. Yeah. And then if we continue, do we have to come at dinner time and be here? Could we be someplace no. else? Okay. No, but we'll, we'll have a container here that you can come and uh, be with other people who are doing it. No compulsory attendance. Okay. This might be a silly question, but are mala beads... No such thing as a silly question. Are mala beads or are keys considered ornamentation? Not your mala beads and not your keys. Unless you consider them ornamentation. <laughs> that's, that's the key. Um, I'm, I'm fasting for Ramadan. Oh, so lovely. my evening meal is my only meal. Oh, I don't okay. do it until the sun goes down, though. So you're already engaging in yes. uh, in um, so res- I just renunciation, want, uh, yeah. abstention, and restraint. So no problem. Uh, did I see a hand back there? Yes, I did. Is it okay to talk out loud to yourself? Because I do that. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Well, you know, it's, it, that's, you know, we all have habits. It's, um, I think if you do it where nobody can hear you, who cares? Right? Go in the woods and talk to yourself. Absolutely. Have a good time. And I hope what you're saying is uh, beneficial. I hope it's not, you terrible, awful person. Why did you do that? You should have done it this way. You shouldn't have done it that way. I hope it's, oh, you're such a dear person. I love you so much. Oh. Okay. So thank you very much for, for your consideration. And I, yep, I've covered it. Okay. So, oh, we have, um, ooh, we have meetings. Now. <laughs> Some of us have interviews and some of us have meetings. Who's coming to me has a meeting. Who's going to Dara has an interview. Okay, so we'll thank you so much for your consideration. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we mentioned that this morning. So uh, chair yoga is also at 4.30 in the room next door. So thank you. Be well. <laughs>